Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. They say that nothing in life is certain, well, except death and taxes, but as you enter your retirement years, you're going to face more uncertainty than ever before, and with that uncertainty comes risk. While retirement's a time to relax, before you get there, you're going to be faced with risks that could derail your plans. What if you outlive your money? What if you come down with a debilitating and expensive illness? Will your income keep up with inflation? Will you have enough money to live the life you want to live? If you choose or need to work, will you physically be able to? What if taxes go up? What if Social Security goes down? Will you have enough to pay for a nursing home? Unless you're very rich, these uncertainties, these risks, could threaten the serene, comfortable retirement. And that's why a large part of retirement planning is about confronting risk, considering potential problems in advance, and preparing as best you can mentally, physically, and financially. And that's what this week's Money Podcast is all about. We're going to talk about the biggest retirement risk and how to prepare for them. Because while it's true that the only thing in life that's certain is uncertainty, it's also true that forewarned is forearmed. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. This is a scary podcast. <laughs> right? I'm terrified. You you guys, I'm I'm 66. I'm staring down the barrel of this risky situation. It should have been a I, Halloween podcast. <laughs> okay, guys, before we get started, our usual disclaimer. Should you hear about investments on this podcast, that doesn't mean they're recommendations. How could they be? Because we don't know you. Never invest based solely on our advice because we don't know your situation, okay? Form your own opinions. Make your own decisions. Okay, let's get back to the topic at hand. Potential problem number one, market risk. Now, what that means is unexpected changes in investment returns, interest rates, inflation, other market variables. In other words, you've got your nest egg, and all of a sudden one day it cracks because the market falls in half. That's a risk. Miranda, how am I going to prepare for that risk? Yeah, so uh, invest. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. No, I mean, so, I mean, when we're, we're talking about unexpected changes. We're talking about market risk. We're talking about these things. Um, so really what it is, is all about saying, okay, let's take a look at what the money is going to be used for, when I'm going to need to use this money, and where should it be based on that. And so that talks about asset allocation, making sure it's in line with your goals and making sure you're moving forward as you should. So you know, I personally like a bucket strategy. I like to say, okay, money I know I'm going to need in the next two to three years, I'm going to keep in a high yield account. It's going to be cash. Uh, and then I can take that medium term money and put that into like high yield bonds, dividend stocks, things that offer an income, but also the potential like for dividend stocks uh, for some appreciation as well. And then for the really long-term stuff, it's still in growth, making sure that it's, you know, mostly stocks in that bucket. And then, you know, you can pour, you know, from one bucket to another as uh, the need arises. So for instance, as I'm getting close to the end of my cash situation, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I've got another two to three years. I need to add a little more cash to the cash bucket. I can say, well, stocks are doing really well right now. The market is up. I'll go ahead and sell some of my stocks while it's high and move that into the cash bucket. Uh, so, I mean, there's things you can do to kind of make it work. But the important thing is to really get into your goals and really understand the purpose of the different types of investments you have in your portfolio. Excellent. Aaron, can we insert some applause there? Because that was a great answer. <laughs> it's 
So asset allocation is obviously one way that you deal with market risk. By the way, do you guys want to learn a new term? I This is a new term to me. Maybe you guys already know it. It is called sequence of returns risk. Ah, yes. <laughs> what does it mean? Do you know what it means? Uh, it, it's Isn't it kind of about how how you're going to, like when you're getting your returns and taking them out of the market, like uh, for instance, like if you've got to take something out when um, the market is down and you're forced to take money out low. And so having to do that up front is a problem because then it reduces the amount of capital you have, which is very, which is why I like, yeah, which is why I like using buckets because that helps me um, capture gains uh, before, you know, it, it, it helps me capture some gains and put them in this cash bucket that I can use for more immediate concerns. So if the market does crash, and this is what I did with, you know, my son's 529, as I was looking at it, I mean, the market still hasn't crashed. But, uh, but if it did, then, um, you know, I didn't have to worry about sequence of returns, my capital was still safe, and I'd already captured some gains. Well done, Miranda. Oh, my gosh, you're like a professor. <laughs> I'll read the quote. Um, Plans can be upset by a severe bear market in the first years of retirement, something the economists call sequence of returns risk, which you obviously just defined Flores flawlessly. Uh, and you also gave us a solution. So just to be clear, so everyone knows what, what's going on here, what Miranda's suggesting is you have enough cash, especially in the early years of your retirement, actually through your retirement, so that if the market does fall, you're not going to be forced to sell investments at a loss. Right? Is that, did I say that right, Miranda? Yes, I, I think so. <laughs> it sounded good to me. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, now let's move on to another risk. Uh, health risk, not being able to pay for your healthcare costs or just getting sick, you know, in, in your retire, retirement years, which also can obviously become very expensive, even if you have Medicare. Um, so how do you think you would deal with this risk in advance, Aaron? Now, granted, you guys are 20 years from retirement, so you're probably not thinking about this, but I, I'm not. So- what, what should I do to reduce my health risk? You got any ideas, Aaron? I don't know. That's a tough one because it's it's hard to estimate what kind of health risk you're going to have other than being able to afford health insurance. Yes. You know? Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, one thing that comes to mind almost immediately, how about not being in bad shape? You know, you can, obviously, anything can happen to anyone at any time for any reason, but you know, you're getting older, guys. Let's try to put down that crack pipe and pick up a bicycle, okay? Let's keep in good shape so we don't have as many health problems as we might. So that that's number one, preventative, right? Uh, eat eat right, eat well, take vitamins, ride a bicycle. <laughs> that's what I do anyway. That's why I keep saying that. But, you know, just staying in good shape is, is certainly something that you can do and doesn't cost much, if anything. Um, of course, and you could also have nursing home insurance, which is expensive. We'll talk about that probably. Well, you can definitely more. yeah try to prolong it. I think I read the other day that uh, if you each a, a single hot dog will take thirty three minutes off your lifespan. <laughs> I read that article too. I mean, I think <laughs> I hate stuff like that. Right. I mean, I think generally practicing good health habits is really good. But another way to kind of protect against that health risk and that healthcare risk is, uh, and here it comes, dun, 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 Miranda's going to sh- talk about her favorite account ever. <laughs> Miranda's got to oh chill God. for the health I, savings account, everybody. Get that HSA I going. I dream about this at night. I've, you've said it so many times. <laughs> anyway, but but it is. It really is. I was, I was actually just checking mine this morning um, because I had a teeth whitening procedure yesterday and used my HSA to, to cover that, but I was checking where are my investments in my HSA, what's going on there. And I'm literally just trying to most of my health savings 
my, most of my health costs, I do pay out of pocket. I don't actually use my HSA. Occasionally I do, but mostly um, I invest most of the money I put in my HSA. Um, and then I'm use, I'm going to use that later in life for healthcare costs. And so that's a quick definition of HSA for people who don't know what it is. Well, first of all, go back and listen to the episodes of this podcast because <laughs> I mention it like every other week. Uh, but no, uh, no, a health savings account is a special uh, tax advantaged account that you can use to put money aside to save for future health care costs. Now, the money in your HSA, it rolls over year to year. It is yours. It is not does not, you know, your employer can, you can, you might have an employer that contributes to an HSA, but the money is yours. Uh, you can invest it and it is tax deductible going in. And as long as you use it for qualified healthcare expenses, it is tax-free coming out. Well, thank you very much for the explanation. I, I hasten to add too, that the HSA, you are not eligible for an HSA unless you have you know a high deductible insurance plan as as Miranda said but when once you reach once you get on medicare no more hsa so i've got an hsa which i can no longer contribute to you don't have to get rid of your hsa but you can no longer contribute to it once you get on medicare you can use your hsa to pay your medicare premiums though i was just to. gonna say <laughs> oh sorry. no it's good that's great so that's one thing and you know another thing too now i'm i'm on medicare i have a medicare advantage plan uh, which saves me money because I don't have to pay the 20% deductible uh, that Medicare charges on uh, doctor visits. Uh, so that, that's one way you might be able to save on your cost. However, you're giving up something when you get on an Advantage plan, which basically means you're going to an HMO. Uh, so I, in fact, we just published an article yesterday. I don't know if you guys read it or not, uh, but it was how a, a whole bunch of people are leaving Advantage plans on their last year of their life and going back to regular Medicare. Why? Because Medicare covers hospitalization, and these people don't want to be in an HMO type plan where they're restricted on where they're going, you know, when they're hyper ill. Uh, but in my case, you know, it's it's, it's good for me because I don't have a lot of healthcare problems. Knock on wood. Uh, and also, my wife is a nurse practitioner, so I'm in her group, <laughs> so I can automatically get. Uh, not automatically, but I can easily get referred out to specialists if need be. But anyway, that's something you should check into uh, Medicare Advantage plans if you are approaching 65. So health, that's, that's health risk. Let's talk about another risk. Well, this is kind of silly. Event risk. That's simply an unforeseen event that has a large financial impact, which is definitely going to happen. I mean, talk about something that's uncertain that's definitely certain. <laughs> There's always something that's going to happen that's unforeseen, like COVID, for example. Um, any number of things are going to occur. So, and, and I think, Randy, you probably covered that. You think? I mean, if how would you how would you get rid of the risk of an unforeseen event? Uh, once again, you know, I just I think that having an emergency, you know, an emergency fund does help. But if you are living off of your retirement savings, then once again, I personally like the bucket strategy. Now, that's not for everybody. Maybe you need to consult with your own financial professional to figure that out. But I personally personally like it. I like having some cash there that you can dip into without having to sell when an event causes things to plummet. I would also say that would be properly insured too, because there's there's events like, you know, flooding and natural fires and things, devastation like that, that can occur that, you know. Well, that's a great point, Erin. And you know, this is, I'm glad you brought that up too, because this is something that occurs too, as we as we get older, we accumulate assets, you know, because we're going to retire, we need them to live on. Uh, we, we might find ourselves with a higher net worth 
than we thought we had, or certainly than we had 20 years ago. And so, for example, if you've got $100,000 liability insurance on your car and your net worth is $800,000 because of that 401k that's been swelling, uh, you might want to take a look at those policies and make sure that that you're adequately insured. Because having, and I'm not a huge proponent of insurance. Uh, frankly, I don't think you should insure against any against losing a dime. Because if you do, you won't have a dime to lose because you'll be paying for all this insurance. But I do believe, though, that being adequately insured is a smart thing to do, especially liability insurance and especially health insurance. So that that's a really good point. Or, or if you if uh, if you want to save some money, you can always downsize your home, and that way your insurance costs on that that building is a little bit lower. Yeah, also true. Very good point. Um, you know what, guys? Here's here's something that's a really big risk. That something just happened to me yesterday. I was going to try to do something to jump ahead of this of tax increases that might be in the future, and I I couldn't do it. You know why? I can't tell you until after this break. <laughs> We're gonna be right back. Okay. What I was talking about before was so yesterday. Th- today is the September the sixteenth. Yesterday, the Democrats came out with their ideas on how to pay for this giant plan that we've got going on, $3.5 trillion plan, uh, and they're going to raise taxes on rich people to pay for that. But they also, what they're going to do is they're going to raise the capital gains tax from twenty maximum of 20% to 25%. And this is for people who make over $400,000, I think. Well, I thought, what the heck? You know, I've got some stuff I really did. What I've told you guys, I might want to sell some stuff. The market looks a little high, so I'll jump ahead of this tax uh, tax reform and sell some stuff now. Well, guess what? They said it, that's that's for sales anytime after September twelfth. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. And as I said, so that was yesterday, the fifteenth. Uh-huh. Nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So they got thinking me thinking ahead. Thinking yeah. ahead. So anyway, but the risk the risk that I was highlighting there was tax and policy risk, because obviously anything can happen with uh, policies and, and especially with taxes. And even if you're not in a high tax bracket now, you know, there's there's a lot of people, you know, the traditional IRA, they would say, you know, no big deal. Get your deduction now when you're in a high tax bracket. And when you're retired, you won't be. But you know what? There's no guarantee you won't be when you start pulling money out of the IRA, especially if they change the rules. So that, that's a risk. What, what do you do about that? Same thing, right? Just be flexible? Yeah, I think I think being flexible is important. But I also think, you know, once again, if, if you plan ahead, the earlier you start saving and investing, the earlier you start investing, the earlier you're taking care of those compounding returns and making use of some ta- a good mix of tax advantaged and taxable accounts, making sure that when you do use taxable accounts, you're paying attention to, you know, how long you've held your assets. So you have that uh, favorable tax rate. Um, because in, in the end, if you start early, if you start early and often, uh, there's a good chance that you're going to see returns that can um, at least make it so it's a little bit more affordable to pay those taxes. Uh, the other thing you're going to want to do is think about how you withdraw money from your accounts. One way you can do that is save that Roth IRA for very last while you draw down your accounts that require uh, minimum distributions, draw those down so you don't have that causing a problem once you hit age 72, and then save that Roth IRA with its tax-free withdrawals for last. So there are some different things you can do. Um, conversions now, right? Converge, Roth conversions, if it makes sense for your tax situation, pay the taxes now on your Roth conversion. Don't have to worry about taxes later. There's some different strategies you can do. Talk to a professional who understands your situation to kind of look at ways that you can manage this. 
You're, you're absolutely right. And the Roth is a great way to manage the, at least tax, uh, income tax risk. Uh, estate planning is another risk. There's all kinds of other risks that can occur. But as far as taxes go, Roth is a great thing to do. Uh, I'm thinking about doing that. I'm not eligible to put money in a Roth, but I can do what's called a back, backdoor Roth by for, uh, doing a regular IRA and then rolling it to a Roth and paying the tax. Of course, you have to pay the taxes on it when you do that. Uh, but I'm thinking about doing that while my tax bracket, if, if my tax bracket is a little lower uh, before the before it gets before it goes up. But as it looks like now, at least uh, my taxes are probably not going to go up very much, and neither is anyone hearing this probably because most of the rules, uh, most of the changes, are going to apply to people who make either over four hundred thousand or over a million. Uh, and I'm certainly not. In, I, I may maybe in the former category, but not in the latter one. So it's not something I've. Mo most of the people won't have to worry about the tax changes that are on the immediate horizon anyway. But you never know what's going to happen down the road, right? So anyway. Now, what about, here's probably the greatest risk of all, longevity. In other words, mort mortality, outliving your money. This is the risk that everybody certainly is, is on their mind as they approach retirement. Will I have enough? Because you can't go back to work, guys. I mean, you know, once you're retired, you're retired. I mean, you might be able to pick up a few pennies, you know. You can be an Uber driver, do some stuff like that. But your career is going to be behind you. And if you estimate it incorrectly, or bad things happen to your portfolio. I mean, this is the risk that uh, people worry about the most, I would say. I think so, we, have a, we have a great episode on that one. I think episode 95, the pros and cons of annuities. Ah. Uh, we, uh, you know, listen to that. We have a good thing on, on avoiding the longevity mortality risk thing because we also introduced, uh, what was that? The dividend aristocrats in that show as well. Very well done. Again, Aaron, you're paying yeah. attention. You're not just producing this podcast. You're listening to it. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done, sir. Uh, but yeah, an annuity can can help you prepare for that because it gives you a guaranteed income for life. The downside is though the annuities may not be as, it may not be very much money as much as you might think it is. Uh, you could put five hundred thousand dollars in an annuity and not get that big of an income out of it. So you have to. But there's something to consider. Obviously, Social Security is another income stream that will definitely last the rest of your life. But most of us can't live the the life we dream of, at least uh, on just a simple Social Security. But anyway, there are other things you can consider too, but also that uh, the dividend aristocrats that Aaron mentioned, you can have a, a portfolio of dividend paying stocks. Again, there's some risk there, but uh, if you get quality companies, the risk is I'm not gonna say minimum, but it's not gonna be huge. So there are things you can do to, consider, to prepare for the longevity mortality risk. And that's, that's almost, there, there are other risks of course, um, there's employment risk, uh, employment issues, for example, like let's say you, you're planning on being able to go work a little bit on the side in your retirement years, both because you want to or because you have to, uh, and you may not be able to. I mean, things happen as you get older, you know? Tell me, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, trust me if you don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Death of a spouse. Death of a spouse. Yeah, there you go. Because yeah. two people, two people's social security checks are better than one. And if you lose a spouse, how about divorce? Yep. Didn't used to happen very much among the seniors, but it's happening a lot now. And so that's that's a risk. How, how would you prepare for that? I mean. <laughs> Bury your spouse in the basement and keep giving the checks and cash in? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's a there's a death benefit. So, I mean, you want to check into that. Uh, <laughs> that whole, that good old life insurance policy, that's that's good if you got one of those. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have to worry about that because um, I'm already divorced and I'm not planning on getting married again. So... Uh, but you're not, you're in your early forties. Yeah. You? But if I do get married again, I guarantee you there's going to be a big old fat prenup. 
<laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, uh, but no, I think, I think taking steps to protect yourself makes sense, especially if we're talking about divorce, you want to make sure you have your own money, your own assets. Uh, although it is possible if your spouse has been the higher earning spouse and you haven't started taking your social security benefits yet, and then you get divorced, as long as you've been married for at least 10 years, you can actually claim social, social security benefits based on your spouse. And so your, your, well, your ex-spouse. So that's something to think about as well. Just be aware of those kinds of things and, and make sure that, um, you're, you know, you're protecting yourself. Uh, you've got some retirement accounts in your own name, uh, and not just relying on your spouse. Spouses, uh, retirement accounts, and make sure you've got some some things in place just in case. Oh, you know, you know what else could happen to you too if you've got kids, which you do. Um, actually, both of you do, um, and I don't. Then you also could have them tapping on your shoulder when you're in your retirement years. Hopefully, they won't. Hopefully, they'll be sending you expensive gifts. But uh, you never know. I mean, it happens a lot where you might have to help your members of your family. Maybe not your kids, maybe another member of your family, maybe your sibling or something like that. So that can also be a risk, too. And, and I guess, you know, the only thing you could do about this stuff, especially that one, is, well, you can say no to your family <laughs> if you need to. Uh, and you can also just save as much as you possibly can. And, you yep. know, we, we've done that this story. Also, be, go ahead. That could, Darren, also, what you say? that could also be a fix if you are in trouble is to bring the whole family together in one house. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, there, there's there are things you could do to to uh, offset a lot of these risks. Like you said earlier, downsizing can get you money. A reverse mortgage can get you money. There are things you can do, and and it's good. We've we've been talking about all these risks, but we and we haven't really talked about a whole lot of solutions, like potential solutions like that. But you may have more more places to turn than you think you do. Going back to work, for example, but also downsizing and or reverse mortgage. I mean, there's a lot of there are things out there that can help you with all these risks. You just need to be aware of them. And the sooner the better. You know, I don't think you guys should be experts at it, except for the fact that you do this for a living. <laughs> but, you know, when you're getting to be my age, you need to start paying attention to this stuff. You need to start thinking about it. You know, like I said at the outset of the podcast, forewarned is forearmed, you know, so. Well, I, th I think to know about these changes, your spending habits, and I think that probably helps more than anything else, right? Your spending and investing habits. Yeah. Just knowing that these risks exist makes you go, oh, well, yeah, you know, I need to change my ways here. Yeah. That's a good point, Aaron. You're absolutely right about that because you certainly, and I would imagine what most people do, including yours truly, to be honest with you, is they start thinking about this stuff when it's on, when it's the day after tomorrow, you know? I mean, I, I still don't have a real plan. I'm fortunate enough, you know, that I'm sure I'm going to be fine. And my wife is much younger than me and still working. So, you know, that's why it hasn't been something that I'm really worried about. But I bet a lot of people wait until they're like 64, you know, before they start thinking about some of these things and what to do about them. When it's probably better to do that five years in advance. You got anything else? Because we we do have one question we're going to do today. So we do have a question, and it is a little bit about Social Security benefits and retirement. So hooray. Laureen says, I received a tip from a friend about Social Security benefits. She said that homemakers could draw one half of their spouse's benefits on top of their own benefit. I was a homemaker for 11 and a half years before entering the workforce full time. I now have been working since September 1990. Is it possible that I can draw half of my husband's benefits on top of my own? Wouldn't that be nice? This is Lorene. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is Lorene. Lorene, unfortunately, you can't do that. You can potentially draw half of your husband's benefits, but you can't do it on top of your own. So what Social Security does is they look at both of you guys and they say, let's see, Lorene gets, is going to get $1,000 a month, but her husband, Ted, is going to get $2,500 a month. 
So she could get half of that, which would be 1250, or we could give her the thousand. Oh, we're gonna give her half of Ted's. So in other words, they're gonna give you half, they're gonna give you whichever's greater, your own social security or half of your husband's social security. But you unfortunately don't get to have both. And that's the answer to that question. And that's about it. But you know what, guys? We're never out of topic. <laughs> Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, and isn't that your goal? Well, your online, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. Got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest? We would love to hear from you. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we do, then do a little something for us. Subscribe to this podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. And tell your friends, too. I'm Stacy Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm foreseeing a risky retirement. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.